The show you're about to hear is a member of the Plains Talkers Podcast Network. To find out more, go to plainstalkerspodcast.com. Plenty of decks don't get to draw three cards for one man. Well, I mean, all the good ones do. Matt, <laughs> isn't Death and Taxes basically a buy for you? Yeah, 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 I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I said out loud, I will never spend $25 on a single card. Right. Two legacy decks later. Green is by far my favorite color, but black is a second close. <laughs> you mean that color I said 10 minutes ago was the worst color in Legacy? Yeah, I don't win very much. <laughs> <laughs> I am Jake. And I'm Matt. And we are Cantrip Cartel. We're proud members of the Planestalkers Podcasting Network, and we're here to talk magic. Matt, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing well. Had a mediocre day at work. Got a bunch of stuff to do, but then came home and played some Diablo. Wait a minute, Matt. You don't work on Tuesdays. I do today. <laughs> well, it's Wednesday. Yep. Well, I did on Tuesday, and now it's Wednesday. Yeah, you did on Tuesday, but... This is what happens when I work on my day off. I literally forget what day it is. Yeah, the, they all just <laughs> the blend together. The whole day, I thought it was Thursday. We're going to try and rush this episode out to get it up by Thursday, but we had some real technical difficulties yesterday, trying to incorporate some stuff we haven't done before, and basically ruined a whole night of recording. Yep. So Spent about three hours and... Got zero things accomplished. Like, we got a recording, but it just didn't sound very good, and... uh it's one of the things that Jake and I have been sticklers on almost immediately is just it's very important for podcasts to sound good because that's all we're providing. It's, it's not important. It's imperative. Yeah, it's it's the number one thing. Yep. Right. It's basically right behind content. Like yep. we have to have something worth saying and it needs to sound good when we say it. Yeah. So it's very important to us to provide a pleasant listening experience to you guys. It's prime. It's probably more important than it should be. Well, but it it's very important to us. Yep. So anything else interesting happened your last uh, last week? No, not really. Nothing uh, nothing really exciting. Just, yeah. you know, pushing on Diablo, stuff like that, but nothing really uh, terribly interesting. I got to have a pretty sweet weekend. I ended up using my last vacation day for the year, which is good because the year resets soon, and I was able to get some kind of important stuff at the house done, get some errands run. I'm in a position where after work, I have no time to run like the in-town errands that need ran because I live about 30-ish minutes from work. Mm-hmm. I usually don't get off work until 4.30. By 5 o'clock, everything's closed. So I had a great opportunity to get some really important stuff done. Had a uh, pretty good weekend. Didn't really do much. I had one of those weekends where I kind of just stayed inside and hid. I, I played some Dark Souls. I ended up beating the main game. Got the first DLC beat. And then kind of relaxed. Spent some time with the wife. Ended up working on Sunday. Since I had gotten Friday off, I kind of came in to help out on Sunday. And then got really lucky. Monday, we had some stuff going on at work. And I got to have a really out-of-the-blue free day off. And so I got to get some house stuff done that I didn't do over the weekend because I kind of vegged out. And I got to kind of go pursue one of my... One of my passions from a previous life was uh, training horses, and I got to go help a friend of mine who owns a barn work some horses for the day because she was a little behind and I wasn't working. So I got to have a lot of fun doing that. I really enjoyed getting back out there. I go see her semi-regularly, but I usually don't work horses right now because I go in the evenings and I usually, uh, if I swing out, I'm doing like construction work. I built some doors for her. I replaced a floor in one of her barns or I'll help clean stalls. Mm -hmm. She's usually done training by the time I get there. So getting to go out in the middle of the day and just... I mean, on top of train some horses, get to some riding in, spend time with a really good friend of mine that I don't get to see very often. It was a really surprising blessing to get that free Monday off. Yeah. Um, and my paycheck won't even be different because yeah, I worked on Sunday. Yeah, you got in the day on Sunday. About the only thing I did want to bring up, we haven't actually really talked about it since then. On Saturday and Sunday, it was Halloween weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, Jake is not a movie buff. 
nope. he doesn't really particularly like the medium. That's fine. I've been slowly trying to introduce yep. him to some films. Some have been hits. Some have been misses. Uh, so we watched two this weekend, one on Saturday, one on Sunday. Uh, we watched Silent Hill on Saturday. That was a big hit. I yeah. really like Silent Hill. And uh, we didn't get to talk about it. Uh, what did you think of Cabin in the Woods? I hated it. Gotcha. Why, what, I, what did or didn't you like about it? I never really enjoyed all the tropes. So I was talking with Sarah about it afterwards because uh, she came and watched with us. And a lot of the things I was kind of complaining about because they just didn't, they felt very disjointed. It didn't make sense. There was a lot of inside jokes that I didn't realize were inside jokes. They kind of went over my head. I wasn't a huge fan of the, and again, this was on purpose, but how like forced everything was. Mm -hmm. And it was forced because it's mocking how forced scary movies are. But as a, uh, while not being a movie buff, I'm even less a scary movie buff. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm very timid and I just, I just don't do scary movies well. So the gore, suspense, jump scares, they kick the crap out of me. It's not my style. So I don't, so a lot of the stuff they were mocking and like really force feeding you because that's how movies do it. They didn't hit very well with me just because I don't know what they're talking about. Right. Um, so personally, no, that movie's not for me. Gotcha. As with many things, I will recognize that it can be a good movie and everyone can love it. I don't. Ooh, yeah, that was just something that kind of popped in my head while we were talking about this. And I was like, well, I never, Jake and I never talked about Cabin in the Woods. So. It was not for me. I'm not opposed to watching more. The One of the things as you get older, horror movies, they kind of stop being super scary. And Cabin in the Woods really leans into the fun factor if you're yeah. a big horror fan. Because you get a lot of the inside jokes and whatnot. Like yep. They're literally having to drug these kids to get them to behave like kids would in a normal horror movie. Yep. Because people aren't that stupid <laughs> Correct. normally. Because yep. normal people aren't that stupid. They don't go, hey, we should split up because we're yep. under attack. They're like. Yeah, we got to drug them to get mm -hmm. them to do that stuff. So it's just, it was, that's one of my favorite, again, it's not a scary movie because there's, there's some overlap between scary movies and horror movies, mm -hmm. but like horror, just broadly speaking is, you know, the subject matter Okay, to well, me, at least. I did notice that watching Silent Hill, which again, I loved, it wasn't scary and I, maybe Silent Hill isn't a particularly scary movie, but I can tell you from past experience, whereas... The last scary movie I watched probably 10 years ago, mm -hmm. I couldn't handle them. I just could not handle scary movies at all. And I enjoyed watching that. I wasn't, I was never terrified. I was never scared. I'm sure it's not and some one of the horrific this. stuff happens in Silent Hill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There were some suspenseful moments. There was some terrible gore. There was, and none of it really bothered me. And it was, um, it's kind of like eating a, eating food you thought you hated and then realizing it tastes okay. It, yeah. As an adult. You're like, yeah, hey, that wasn't that bad. And that's what it wasn't that bad. And then you were kind of helping me get the story because, Another reason I'm not a huge movie buff is I'm a very simple-minded movie observer, mm -hmm. and so I miss a lot of things. And I'm sure that's where a lot of people will get really into the meat of a movie is all the subtle signs, all the things that are hidden that you have to pay attention for, and I'm stupid, and I miss all that. So you were there to help me kind of be like, oh, well, actually, you know, they're in hell right now. Like, like towards the, right. the end, I was like, oh, my God, are they? And you were like, yeah, they're they're probably in hell. Like, yeah. it doesn't say it, but they probably died, and they're in hell, and they're stuck there now, and... Um, Gosh, Jake, you're just throwing out spoilers for Silent Hill. And then we're like 25 years old. <laughs> it, it, it's somewhere between 15. It's around 15 years. Okay. Old. I don't well, remember exactly how. Uh, spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler alert but, in case you saw a, you know, B-list <laughs> yeah. movie from 15 years ago and you're uh, worried about it. But I, I was very surprised to enjoy it and I appreciate having Matt there to kind of help just fill in the small gaps where like if I missed something or I didn't notice something. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was interesting. I'm excited to watch some more good movies. Matt picks out usually pretty good. Pretty good movies, so. Yep, I watch a lot of movies. Yep. It's one of my favorite pastimes. So we got a long intro this week, but I do want to do one more thing. Yep. We're approaching our, this will be our 12th episode, and presumably a lot of people that are listening now 
maybe didn't listen to our first couple episodes because they may not know who we are as much. We talked about that in our introduction, our first episode a little bit. If you haven't heard those, don't because the audio quality sucks. Yep, that's we learned a lot. We still had one mic. We had no no. We had no acoustic panels up. Yeah, we had we were in a large room. It's terrible. So Matt, in you know three or four minutes, what is your history in magic, and what makes you think you deserve to talk about magic? So I started playing magic back in middle school. My buddy uh, Derek across the street, he was taught how to play by one of his dad's friends. And then within, you know, a month or two, he taught me how to play. So we started playing literally in sixth grade, sitting at the lunch tables playing magic. And that when was that? Because I mean, people may not know how old you are. I believe it was like 96 or 97. So I don't cool. remember. Obviously, I don't, I don't you, have a calendar. In front yeah. Of me. So you weren't there for the inception of magic, right. but you were I, there pretty close. If I remember correctly, Tempest had just come out. Gotcha. So that's kind of when we started playing. Obviously, we were not playing any high level magic when we mm-hmm. were in sixth grade. We just we had a group of friends. Uh, there were six of us: me, Derek, Mike, Brian, Joe, and Ryan. Uh, we all played magic. Uh, as we progressed through middle school and high school, we started to actually host our own tournaments, primarily with just each other. But there were also other players that played in the school that we would invite, and a couple people from just around town started to actually hear about us. So, like by the time I think when we were like sophomores or juniors in high school, we held one in uh, my buddy's basement that was like twenty-five people. Pretty big. Yep, I actually won that one with nice. elves. <laughs> I've been representing elves since you could play Nerds of Saga yep. unsleeved. From there, you I know, mean, you, you think you mean Guy's Cradle? Yeah, sorry, came out Nerds of Saga since yeah. you've been playing since you could play Guy's Cradle. From there, uh, we took a little bit of a break around the Marodin era, which I think a lot of people did. Um, was was Marodin Combo Winter? That was Urza Saga. Gotcha. We actually managed to push through that, and then they came and screwed up standard even more. Was Mirrodin Affinity? Yes, Mirrodin was gotcha. Affinity. Like, we were still kind of playing, but not in any serious way. I think I was, I think I ended up playing a Tooth and Nail deck around the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the best thing to be doing was some form of Affinity. But we would go to, like, Friday Night Magics. Basically, once we hit either our sophomore or junior year, one of us had the ability to drive in a car. Yep. So there was a card shop up in South Bend called uh, Fantasy Games. So every Friday night, we'd be driving up there to get our butts kicked in standard. Mm-hmm. So, and then through college and after college and whatnot, we, you know, it's the same probably with everybody who listens. Your interest in magic kind of waxes and wanes. And then about, what was it? Maybe four years ago, four or five years ago, I started playing EDH pretty seriously. Mm -hmm. As seriously as you can play EDH. Yeah. (laughs) But like we got a a consistent play group together, started going to card shops just to play with strangers and whatnot, just because I wanted to play. Uh, Then you and I started playing. You, you kind and, of built the playgroup. Yeah. It was you, me, Alex. And, and I have a up. habit of doing that is like wherever I end up going, I end up kind of like making friends with some people, building the playgroup and then starting to teach them how to play magic. Yep. So normally I kind of like introduce them like, hey, you guys want to come play some board games or mm-hmm. something like that? And oh, have you heard of this game called Magic? Oh, you have. Yep. Well, I've got a huge collection and I'd be happy to build you yep. a deck. <laughs> Sounds familiar. Right. So from there, uh, once a had really gotten kind of drugged back in, I actually started getting interested in Legacy because uh, basically so I could play an elf deck mm-hmm. competitively. Like, and that's that's what I'd been doing throughout middle school and high school is elves were kind of my thing. So I kind of picked elves to play in Legacy. During the process of learning how to play it, I came al- across uh, Julian and yep. he's basically, he doesn't know it, but he's basically the guy who taught me how to play elves. Yeah. I, like, I, I found his channel and watched literally every video on it. I then... I finally got the deck built. It took me about a year to put together 
uh, Legacy Elves, given the price of things, and I can't mm -hmm. imagine people trying to do it now. Yeah, my cradles and bayous were about 150 bucks a piece. So, I mean, that's still even a lot to ask, but it's doable. For, for $150, somebody might let you hold their cradle. Right. So that was $900, right? Yeah. Well, a cradle is $900. Yep. So for the price of one cradle, I bought my dad. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't that long ago. So I got to go to my first big tournament. It was a 1K over at uh, Legendary Games in town here. And I won that. I went 5-0 and in the Swiss. Well, technically, I went 4-0-1 in the Swiss. We intentionally drew in the last round of the Swiss. But I forced the guy. I told him I would draw with him if we actually played. I then mm -hmm. beat him. Yep. Then we met in the finals. The same guy. He and I were the top two seeds. And I beat him again. He was playing Death and Taxes. Oh, yeah. He had no chance. Yeah. And he had about a 30% chance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, isn't Death and Taxes basically a buy for you? Yeah. 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 I know. <laughs> <laughs> So since then, I've been going to basically every Legacy Paper tournament that I can. Mm -hmm. I don't get to go to as many as I would like. They're mostly on the weekends, and I had to work yep. all weekend. And but unfortunately, yeah. our life isn't really set up to travel like long distance. Right. Like we, we have a really hard time getting out to Las Vegas or to the East Coast to, yeah, but, to play. You know, we just went to the the tournament in uh, Ohio. Yep. Had a great time there. Uh, lost my winning into Death and Taxes, so yep. that deck got its revenge. Sure did. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, been playing Legacy pretty seriously for the past few years. Mm -hmm. I'm about to get going on moto i had it built for a while but yeah. you've, you've played you've played enough on moto to know how moto yeah. works you just don't grind on there very yeah. much so i think i'm kind of running out of a little bit of steam on diablo so i think i'm going to go ahead and pull the trigger on allosaur shepherds have the full legacy mm -hmm. deck in our legacy elf deck and start hitting leagues and challenges as often as i can very cool that's me a relatively solid pedigree yeah i'm like i said i've been playing for 20 something years yep. so so what we always have to say is Matt is kind of the old geezer. He's the guy who's been around the block. He knows what he's doing. He's been here since almost the inception. My name's Jake. I started playing Magic probably four or five years ago-ish. I mean, really playing. Yeah. And I'm the new kid on the block because I'm kind of fresh into it. it. Kind of like Matt, I played Magic when I was in school. I picked it up, I think, like my sophomore year of high school. And we played classic kitchen table Magic. You know, some kids knew what they were doing, but a lot of us didn't. And so for perspective, the story I always tell is I'd gotten an Oracle of Moldai out of a pack. And so I had a green deck mm -hmm. and I specifically remember flipping like five lands in a row with Oracle Moldai and just playing them all. Because it says you can play lands from the top it of your deck. It says you can play lands from the top of your deck. And we didn't know. And that's, that, that was the skill level we had. And obviously I got out of it for college. It was kind of expensive and I didn't have time. didn't have friends up here that played. So I got out of it. Matt bumps into me at work one day. We don't even work together. We just work in the same building. And something came up where he mentioned magic. And I was like, oh, I used to play magic. And he's like, you used to play magic. I have a bunch of cards. I'll build you a deck. You should come play with us. Yeah. And so I did. I, I went and played a game or two. And uh, it was a lot of fun. It was an experience in Commander I hadn't had. Because prior to that, I'd only played Commander once. And it was an eight-person Commander game. Which in and of itself is bad. And I didn't have a Commander deck. I had a pile of cards because I'd never played Commander. And I did not buy cards. I was a kid. I had the cards I had. Someone actually gave me a Gissa the Trader Mm -hmm. the green green black yep. and i built a mono green deck with one swamp in it so you could maybe cast her yeah but there was no synergies at all and so i hated commander and so when matt said you should come play commander with us i said no i shouldn't commander sucks <laughs> and he proved to me it didn't and so we played a little bit and i bought the ur dragon as my first pre-con deck and i specifically remember playing it for a week or two being like hey matt i really want to upgrade this deck and make it better and you said you should go buy chromatic lantern and tooth and nail Chromatic Lantern at the time was like five, six bucks. And I was like, geez, the whole deck was 40. And you want me to spend six dollars on one card? Right. 
And then he pulled up tooth and nail and it was like $25. And I was like, well, I'm not buying that card. <laughs> Thank goodness it was a damaged, like it, it looks like it was in the spokes of someone's bike. Yeah. So I got it for like 12. But I said out loud, I will never spend $25 on a single card. Right. Two legacy decks later. One like <laughs> one and a half legacy decks later. You had reanimator. Yeah. Four, yeah, four <laughs> dual lands and place a couple play sets of Force of Wills. And that's where I started though. I started, you know, I wanted to pay, buy all the $3 cards and that's why I wanted to play. And then just kind of got more and more into it. Started playing a lot more. We got really good in Commander. We got to where we're playing Borderline CDH Commander. And around about that time, I decided I wanted a little bit more of a competitive itch scratched. So I talked to Matt and I said, hey, you know, I kind of want to play competitive magic. Thinking about buying into like a, like a format, maybe spend like, you know, eight or 900 bucks. And at the time, what Matt tells me is Modern was trash. At the time it was. So I didn't buy into Modern. He said, you just get Modern and buy straight into Legacy. You know, the the investment is higher, but the retention of value is higher. And the play was more fun. And that's kind of flipped right now. But at the time, yeah, it was great. So The I, retention of value is still there. The retention of value is definitely <laughs> Those still there. Those dual lands are worth way more than you bought them for. They, yes. <laughs> um, I've actually moved them into some blue duels. But yeah, they just worked yep. their way up. So I bought into Black Red Reanimator, played it for a little while, played a tournament, did poorly as you're supposed to. Ended up deciding I didn't like playing a not blue deck. I, I learned over that time that I'm a big blue player. My favorite EDH deck is Tatiova because I love my counter spells. And so I sold Reanimator and bought into essentially an Azorius style control deck. And so it's usually blue, white, or red, or black. With a splash or, of a third color. I have most of the pieces to kind of splash into anything I need for my blue, white control deck for Legacy. That's kind of my pedigree. I'm a lot newer to the game, but I also, because of that, bring in a lot of like different perspectives. Yep. So Matt and I have had a couple disagreements on, you know, maybe what card should stay or what card should go or what card the problem is because we look at the format very differently because one of us has been playing it for 20 plus years. One of us has been playing it for five. I don't, you know, Matt holds a little more reverence for some cards and, you know, maybe they should be there because they deserve to. They've been here longer. I look at some cards and go, well, maybe it's the problem, even though it should be there. We agree on a lot of things and we disagree on some things. And that's what makes the podcast, I think, a lot yep. more fun, where a lot of the times you'll hear us kind of being in the same ballpark. But sometimes Matt determines that a card absolutely cannot be unbanned. And I'm like, fuck it. Let's try it. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> Jake's never been mind twisted. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a little bit on us. Just a little, you know, refresher in case no one heard. And if anyone's interested, you know, kind of a little more about who we are. So now that we're 20 minutes into our podcast. Right. Let's talk about some content. Let's talk about <laughs> Legacy, Matt. How's Legacy looking? Uh, this particular challenge is actually pretty interesting. We say this almost every show. Like, you can't draw conclusions from the results of one tournament. Mm -hmm. That still holds true here. The top eight was actually, as far as decks go, pretty diverse. Uh, there's a fair bit of combo in it. In fairness, this is the Sunday challenge, right? Well, there isn't a Saturday challenge. Because there still is there not still a Saturday is not challenge. There still is not a Saturday challenge. Gotcha. So, in first place, we've got Four Color Control, Sands Green. Which is a really interesting way to build four-color control. Correct. Typically speaking, these three and four-color control decks almost always have green due to the power of cards like Ice Fang Coatl and yeah. Uro and Veil of Summer and Endurance. There's the, yep. there's kind of the four big cards that well, green gives you. I've kind of been under the opinion that when it comes to Legacy and the color pie, I think black is the weakest color right now. If you're not playing combo, because black's probably one of the better combo decks. Yeah. Combo colors. But if you're not playing combo, black's probably the weakest color there is. Yep. So to see a deck opt out of green, a relatively powerful card, but opt into black, a relatively weak color, was really interesting to see. Yep. And the uh, my theory here is, the, I think the guy kind of made a call, at least somewhat borne out by the results of this, where if he's thinking he wants to lean a little heavier to beat combo, 
in my opinion, I think black is the better color. Mm -hmm. Green is better if you want to grind out games because that's what almost every one of their cards do. Yep. Is they just they're grindy kind of cards currently. I mean, in, Endurance and Veil of Summer have some splash there as well. Yeah. But black really allows you to attack your opponent's game plan mm -hmm. as opposed to being reactive. Uh, so typically speaking, it's a little better against combo decks. So they've got uh, three Inquisition of Kozilect and uh, three uh, Him to Turok. Gotcha. With plenty of forces to back him up. Yeah. Swords so to Plowshares and Prismatic Ending. A very standard, well, it will be a, a very standard blue-white list. Yeah. Blue-white control list, then paired with these Discard hand disruption. Of, yep. Yeah. And then a Baleful Strix up there to just put an immovable object in the air. Yeah. No Murktide's getting through that. Nope. And if they kill it, then it, you're at least up a card. Yep. And obviously, you'd be happy to trade with a Murktide. Sure would. But I don't think anybody's... Hopefully, yep. nobody in these challenges is silly enough to just throw a Murktide mm -hmm. reader. It's, uh, if they do, you should be worried. Right. The, it's interesting. <laughs> is this guy bluffing me? <laughs> yeah. Those are the tacks where you like you declare a blockers and then pull it back. You're like, like, wait, wait a minute. second. <laughs> it's interesting to see them opt out of a Uro, because Uro is probably one of the most powerful game-ending cards we've got right now with Recursion. Yeah. And... Looking at this list, and I'm thinking about it a little bit, I wonder if the reason we're opting out of Uro is because of Murktide Regent and because of Dragon Rage Channeler, the graveyards have been under heavy attack lately, where you're even seeing graveyard hate main board a lot of the time, Yep. and you're seeing a lot of graveyard hate sideboard, and I wonder if that has eaten away at the equity of running Uro and essentially buying yourself into green. Yep. I don't think Endurance is enough to pull you into green. I don't think Abundant Harvest is enough to pull you into green. I think Uro is. But if Uro's not there because everybody's nuking graveyards from orbit, then yeah, maybe it's best just to ignore the green altogether, move into black, and essentially protect your threats on the board by taking the answers out of their hand. Right, and on top of that, Uro doesn't match up well with some of the more popular threats in the format. Mm -hmm. DRC goes right over it, and Murktide can outrace it. Yeah, so <laughs> scary it, how well. Yeah, I mean, when when the only thing you really had to worry, worry about in the air was like a Delver of Secrets or a Sprite Dragon, mm -hmm. which you can outrace with Uro. Easily. Then, I mean, then Uro, Uro becomes a lot better, right? Uro literally blanks every Delver attack. Correct. Like, early 1v1. While swinging for 6. Yes. <laughs> like, it it cancels your Delver attack and hits you for 6. Right. And draws a card. Where, meanwhile, Murktide can just, worst case scenario, just sit there and block Uro all mm -hmm. day. And then... Yeah, until the second one comes down. And the first one becomes a 12-12. Correct. Yeah. Uh, next up, we've got a very spicy deck, in my opinion. Uh, it's not necessarily, like, brand new to Legacy, but we haven't seen it in any of the challenges in any any time uh, recently. Uh, we've got Mono Black Helm of Obedience combo. Mm -hmm. So for those of you who don't know, the Helm of Obedience combo uses Leyline of the Void, which exiles cards instead of uh, actually technically it's milling them. A replacement then, effect. Which yes, it's very a replacement important. effect, so your cards never hit the graveyard. Well, Helm of Obedience mills your opponent until they put X number of creatures in the graveyard. Mm -hmm. So you you pay one, tap the Helm of Obedience, You they mill until they put a creature into the graveyard, which but doesn't happen. It'll never happen. Board. So I, you mill their whole deck. I remember one time I got got by that because I'd never seen the combo. Yep. And so I had no idea why these things were working together, or yep. why these things were happening. And then he did that, and I was like, oh, what? <laughs> and I read, and I reread, and I was what? Yeah. And it's it, it was it, I've, if you've never seen it, obviously it's completely out of left field, but it's a really cool list and it's a really cool like amalgamation of mono black goodness leaning into this uh, this crazy huge um Karn or uh, Urza Saga board in the main board with tons of answers like Pithing Needle, I guess not tons of answers, but like uh Underworld Cookbook, Retrofitter Foundry, four or five fetchables yep. in the main deck for this thing. And on top of that, it's got two more combos in the deck. So the, <laughs> this deck is like 
This is some good spicy chili. Dang. Yep. So we've got opposition opposition agent and Marilyn of the Morn uh, song. So what Marilyn does is instead of drawing your card, you get to demonic tutor essentially. Well, what opposition's agent does is whenever your opponent tutors, you control the tutor and you get the card. Yep. So instead of your opponent drawing, you get to demonic tutor something out of their deck. Yep. So you got a little bit of a soft lock there, and then you combine that with uh, Karn the Great Creator and uh, Mycosynth Lattice, and this deck is just. It's kind of all over the place. Yeah. For reference, and the Karn the Great Creator makes artifacts. You can't activate abilities of artifacts. Mycosynth Lattice, which you fetch from your sideboard, yep. makes, makes everything, everything, everything including your lands. So yep. your lands no longer tap for mana. Your creatures can no longer activate their abilities. Yep. Yeah, three separate potentially game-winning yeah, combos absolutely. in the same deck. So obviously, you know, your uh, Helm of Obedience, Leyland of the Void combo just wins the game. But even a soft lock through Marilyn and Opposition Agent or a, or a relatively hard lock through Karn and Mycosynth Lattice are going to make it very difficult for your opponent to do anything if they haven't already established a very Correct. impressive board state. Yeah, and if they have, you don't play into those combos. Yeah. Like, and you don't play a Karn into a board where he's just going to get exactly and killed. And, of course, you know, four Leyline main board normally looks kind of crazy, but... Just how in the current meta, there's just going to be splash stuff where yeah. it's like, yeah, your Merktides are three threes. Good yep. luck. Just how prevalent. Sorry, seven mana three threes. Seven mana three threes. <laughs> yeah, just how crazy prevalent and powerful that card is. Just if you don't even include a combo, if you don't get your combo off, just having a ley line turn one or turn zero is amazing. And especially when it's not a dead card for the rest of your. Yep. And don't want to breeze over the four serum powders, which you almost never see in Legacy. But it's just you know this dude is here to. He's here to combo. He's here to combo. And, the, you know, Serum Powder, basically, if you have in your opening hand, allows you to, instead of mulliganing to six, exile that hand and then get seven fresh cards. You get to keep the full seven. So you can really dig through your deck without going down on cards every time. Yep. So that was a pretty cool deck. Totally out of left field. Yep. I was super excited to see that. Green is by far my favorite color, but black is a second close. <laughs> you mean that color I said 10 minutes ago was the worst color in Legacy? Yeah, I don't win very much. <laughs> <laughs> No, just kidding. It's just, I mean, and Elves is a green-black deck. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't come as a uh, surprise to anybody. But yeah, I mean, that that color we're talking about that doesn't isn't that great in Legacy got second and third this week. Yep. So we're going to move on to third. Uh, we've got Curses. So this guy has been putting in work. Yes. Week or week after week, challenge after challenge. If it's the same person. We, yeah. we happened to see a curse deck in the top eight last week as well. We even, I mean, two same as last week, we have two curse decks in the top 32. Yeah. Pretty so, impressive. Congrats to those guys. I love seeing just fun decks. Like, mm -hmm. that's just a cool deck. If you don't know, Curses is trying to take advantage of Curse of Misfortunes, which mm -hmm. uh, enchants a player, and then you get to search your library every turn and give them another curse. Yeah, so it's, so, just, stock, it's just chock full of these, like, five, six, seven, eight mana curses. Yeah, and the big one being Overwhelming Splendor, which is basically a one-sided humility. Yep. So you get that on there. It's got stuff like Chalice of the Void and Trinisphere to bog the game down, giving you time to hit the uh, five mana or accelerate into yeah. the five mana Curse of Misfortunes. I mean, four Dark Ritual, four Chrome Mox, yeah. lots of acceleration. So here it's, to it's trying to get it be explosive. Seven Soul Lands. So yep, the deck here, the deck is this deck is trying to ramp and get get something out immediately, or just ramp and get Curse of Misfortunes out immediately. There's been a lot of talk about Urza's Saga and its effect on Legacy. And I think I'm at least currently on the Keep Urza Saga train now. It seems like it's doing more a net benefit. So yeah. like both of these, uh, the uh, 
the Helm of Obedience deck and the Curses deck both run Urza Saga. And I think it's just giving these kind of like what we would consider tier three or tier two decks just the enough yep. of a boost that they're playable without like overtaking yep. the uh the play style so like this guy isn't just playing an urza saga deck with a few crappy cards thrown in it exactly. he's playing a curses deck that has a solid plan c yep and that's it's the same thing that happened with sense of divining top and many decks but i'm gonna throw out uh uh oh what's the veteran what's the nick, veteran fit. nick fit deck you know there was a lot of hullabaloo about how sensei's divining top needed to go yep but it was such a great card for things like Nick Fit. Like it just it raised these like tier three decks to a tier one point five or tier two. Yeah, where you can show up and play them and not exactly. feel like an idiot. And so Urza Saga seems to be a really powerful just mini side package that you can include in your deck. And you know, if your main strategy, which is probably less than efficient, fails, you have a solid backup plan that can win games. Yep. For fun. Did you happen to see in the sideboard? I did not. Uh, we have Helm of Obedience. Oh, gotcha. yeah, yeah, yeah. Liquid yep. Metal Coating. Like, we have the combos. Similar that, combos. Well, and that Curses deck has Karn. Yes. So you can get that Helm of Obedience with Karn. Yep. And you're already running the Ley Lines. They're already in the main. Yeah, it's kind of cool that it's got um, a lot of the same combos and then just kind of a different plan A. Yep. But is totally willing to flex into these other plans. Yeah. So uh, moving on to fourth, we've got Blood Moon Aggro, Moon Stompy. Just, there's like 14 different names for these turn decks. Turn one Blood Moon. You're not playing the game. Yep. Turn one Blood Moon, Trinisphere, or Chalice of the Void. We've seen this deck a lot. It's a great deck. I I personally like having it in the format. It's one of the downsides of Prismatic Ending is it hits Chalice pretty hard, and yeah. Chalice is a pretty good check on other cards in the format. Uh, Chalice, at least in theory, helps keep the Cantrip Cartel in check a little bit and yep. uh you that's one happened. of the things jake and i have talked about is prismatics ending not only is it powering up those cantrip decks but it's also actively mm -hmm. hurting one of the cards that helps that preys upon the cantrip you know it also kicks the crap out of chrome mox sure does how about you discard two cards uh, it's <laughs> a one man of him to turok <laughs> yeah discard two cards <laughs> yeah that's rough but yeah it's a good deck i hate playing against moon stompy i hate playing against blood moon but it's again, it's one of those decks that I recognize needs to exist, and I'm glad it exists. It in the punishes format. greedy decks. Yep, and I don't want everyone to be running around with 15 dual lands in their deck. Right. So wasteland and blood moon are here to stop that. Yep. Uh, next up in fifth, we've got uh, like we were talking about, it's four color control, but it's got green instead of black. It's the correct four color control. Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that guy won, so I don't know if that's. I guess right. that's true. Yeah. <laughs> so this got all our traditional stuff in it that we've talked about week after week. Endurance. Uro, Jace, Prismatic Ending, One Life from the Loam because its mana base is super greedy, uh, Sylvan Library, Shark Typhoon. And again, this yeah. is pretty common stuff. This that is a seen. more standard four yep. color control list. Yep. So, so, no, so the spice, the spice is what brought home uh, Nukes to Nukes Tom. Yep. Bringing in the spice is what allowed him to you know help clinch out with those one or two games he needed. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, next up, we've got two Reanimator lists: Black Red Reanimator. Uh, one's got uh, just for Jake here. One's got two griefs. The other's got four. Mm -hmm. uh, that was something Jake was talking about when grief was spoiled. As a former Reanimator player, he yeah. was a he was on the grief hype train there a little bit. Yeah, I really thought and grief for and for good reason. Like yep. grief's a great card. I thought grief, grief had a really impactful place to have uh, in the Reanimator list. People were kind of wishy washy on it. Some people thought there was a full four of. Some people thought it was completely unplayable. What I've noticed, and I don't know if you noticed this, is really interesting. Is grief is replacing thought seizes? Yeah, I did. So yep. the previous uh, one list essentially trimmed down two thought seas for two grief, and the second list that I'm looking at trimmed down all four thought seas for four grief. Essentially, you know, the card disadvantage is just worth it being free. Correct. It doesn't matter. Yep. And um, we've discussed this already, but the idea that reanimator in game one 
just steam plows through everything ideally is the go i yeah, hope you don't have point. it i'm gonna win right now fuck you i don't care right and then games two and three it used to sideboard the way i played it would sideboard into more of a more of a grindy type deck that's willing to win on turn five where you know i'm not gonna grind out the win against you know miracles on turn 10 but i'm not worried about doing it right now i'm willing to wait until turn three turn four turn five be able to chain a couple discard spells together and then force my grizzle brand onto the board yep and it seems like the new lists, which are working, <laughs> are coming into game two and game three with double middle fingers up being like, fuck you, bitch, double uh, double pitch, discard yep. spell. Unmasked grief. Yeah. They're, Dark th- ritual and tomb. They're exam. kind of embodying like what black red reanimator is supposed to be. And it's very just, aggressive. It's and fast. very aggressive and very fast. You know, we talked about when I started playing it because Matt brought up. You can play blue-black reanimator because yep. I wanted to play counterspell. I wanted to play force of will. I wanted to have some reaction. And the reason that never caught on, or at least it didn't outpace black red, was it didn't matter that you were more like consistent. You weren't powerful enough. So yeah, you can wait until turn three and more consistently get that. I got a force of will. I'm good to go. But it was just better to go turn one unmasked Grizzlebrand. Yep. That, it just was better. And this deck is kind of embodying that once again. I'm going to put more pitch spells in my deck and just try and force it down. In my opinion, the card that really spurred that change on was actually Deathrite Shaman, where Deathrite Shaman came around and all of a sudden mm-hmm. the reanimator decks can't wait till turn two or yep. three because once a Deathrite Shaman, because they're main decked, yeah. once a Deathrite Shaman's online, you don't get to reanimate anything. Oh, it's really hard. So I need to be reanimating Grizzlebrand immediately. Yep. And then once that change was made, I think it's just kind of stuck where mm-hmm. it's just like, that's what the deck is and that's how people like playing it and it seems to be the most effective build. Looking at one of these lists, an interesting thing I like to see is Tendrils of Agony line yeah. in this mm-hmm. deck. So when I played Reanimator, I hated passing the turn. And it often happens. You know, you get a Grizzle Brand down. You maybe you draw 14 or you draw 7, go down to 5, 10 life. Yep. You just don't draw what you need to keep it going. I mean, I have a 7-7 seven, seven down. Good luck. But there are ways to answer that. And it happens. <laughs> I mean, I've had plenty of times where I go, you know, Reanimate Grizzle Brand and they go, is it my turn? Show and tell. Omniscience. Right. Like, oh, geez. Yeah, against other combo decks. Yeah, it's not good have, enough. Correct. So to see these lines where it's got uh, Children of Coralist, uh, where you can sacrifice it to essentially gain back all the life you lost this turn. Yep. Using that with reanimate spells and Grizzlebrand, you can draw most of your deck, play most of your spells, and... Which most of them are free. Most of them are free. You know, you can also be netting mana with a lot of things like... Dark Ritual, Lotus Petals. Dark Ritual, Petal. Lotus Petals, whatnot. Yeah. And you're just going to eventually tendrils them for death. Yeah. So it's cool to see what already was a combo deck put another combo to finish their didn't combo. Didn't combo enough. <laughs> yeah. Didn't didn't combo hard enough. So uh, rounding out the top eight for this challenge, we've got lands coming in at eight. Uh, looks like a pretty standard list. Uh, nothing super spicy here. Uh, we've got Urza's Sagas, uh, Field of the Dead, just kind of the, the lands mainstay kind of yep. cards. Uh, Valakut Exploration. Pyrite Spellbomb in the main. Yep. Pyrite Spellbomb. That's kind of cool. I think that's a bit, I think it's a little spicy. Yep. But it's a great Urza Saga target. Everybody's kind of like picking their own favorite cards to grab with Urza Saga. Yeah. It's cool. There's a lot of really cool ones to grab. And it's nice to see that Urza Saga didn't boil down to, with the exception of Retrofitter Foundry, which is pretty standard. Yeah. Like this list of three, there's no Stoneforge list for Urza Saga where it's like you just run these three. Yeah. There's, there's like usually somewhere one. Somewhere between five and ten cards that are. Yeah. There's one thinking. that everyone kind of seems to run a lot. Oh, this guy. They're not running Retrofitter Foundry, but. You know, one or two, everyone kind of runs. And then, yeah, this list of five, you kind of nitpick what you want to be the most flexible to answer with. Not that it should come as a surprise in this deck, but he is running Expedition Map. Yeah, One of, of the cards we picked for yours. It makes I, a lot, probably makes a lot more sense in this build, obviously. Yeah. But I love the... That's something Jake and I were 
tinkering around yeah. with in if, order to get saga after saga. If you're planning on a grindy match, I love being able to, yeah, saga for expedition map to just keep the sagas coming. Yeah. I, I loved watching people struggle to answer my tokens. I mean, is it, you're going up on cards. Every time someone swords a plowshares, your Urza Saga token, you just went up a card. Because yep. you didn't, you know, you didn't play that card. You right. just made you just it. just got a free token. And so it's like, cool. So they discarded two cards to my Urza Saga. I'm going to get another one. Right. Do it again. <laughs> Can you answer two Urza mm -hmm. Sagas? And if you didn't answer the first one, then the second one's going to be backbreak. Yeah. Because now they're all, what, four fours? Four fours, then so five fives. 16 six. power on the board. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, going over our most common decks in the meta, is it Delver still here to stay? So they're still in the top 32, still mm -hmm. floating around. Same thing with uh, Jeskai Ragavan. The four total blue-red Delver decks and four Elves decks represent yeah. in the top 32. Still tied for a highest meta share in the top 32, although yeah. much lower than it has been recently. Yep. Played cards. Uh, none of this will come as a surprise to any regular listeners. Force of Will, Pyroblast, Brainstorm, Ponder, Swords, Plowshares, Top Creatures. This should be almost predictable at this yeah. point. Uh, Ragavan, DRC, Murktide Regent, Endurance, and Elvish Reclaimer, followed Reclaim up by the Elf deck. The Reclaimer's a little out of it's place. The, Lands was the third most played yeah. deck uh, with three copies in the top 32. And then top spells, more of the same. Force of Will, Pyroblast, Brainstorm, Ponder, Swords. Anytime I see Pyroblast in one of the top spells, it's like... You know your format yep, Everybody's has some issue when you're main decking Pyroblast. Yep, absolutely. All in all, this particular challenge looks really interesting. Mm -hmm. If this was the way it was every week and we were firing off two challenges every week, I don't think I'd have too much of a problem. No complaints. Right. Modern Horizons 2 is fine if this it, is what it produces. Correct. Uh, one thing I will note, just looking at them, they're causing a lot of problems in Modern. This kind of leads into that. I really like the, the Solitude, Grief, Fury cycle, those elementals. They're really good like role players in legacy like they were designed for modern mm -hmm. they slot in great for legacy and i think they've just like i said they're just kind of those role players where they're they're not broken they just give you know like reanimator a little bit of a boost mm -hmm. they give you know these some of these white decks a little bit of a boost yeah they give blood moon decks a little bit of a boost and they're helping a lot of tier two strategies just kind of yeah. like elevate their game a little bit so that they're showing up more they, I really that those cards, in my opinion, there's stronger and weaker ones, but all of them are very well designed. Yeah. The flexibility they bring to the table just can't be understated. Like we've talked about Swords to Plowshares, for example, is a dead card against Storm. Solitude will kill a Storm player. You know, yeah. Fury like Pyrokinesis is a dead card sometimes. Um, Fury never is. Yep. Fury always hits for six. So the flexibility sometimes hits for a lot more. <laughs> If you're actually paying for it, yeah. you get to dome them and attack. Well, what I mean, I don't, uh, it's, it's not it's not player. You can't fury them in the face. Well, I mean the the creatures. Like, but yeah, you can either kill creatures yeah. or you or the, can kill creatures and attack. Yeah, that's what I'm like. You yeah, know, if, if you're in a plot where pyrokinesis isn't going to be a thing, it's not going to work. That's just, I mean, wait a turn or two. Yep. And fury definitely will. So incredibly flexible with the ability to pitch them when needed, play them when you can. It, it caught a lot of us, I think, off guard with how good they are. Not that they are good. Everyone called, oh, those are good. That's a good, free spells are always good. Yep. But how good they are, it, I will say, caught me a little off guard. Those things are crazy. Yep. Yeah, I, I think I picked Solitude as my favorite one. You picked mm -hmm. Grief as your favorite one. Yeah. I think a lot of people missed, F I think a it's, lot Fury's did. deceptively good. It is. But it's obviously putting up all kinds of numbers across Modern and then still seeing play in Legacy. It's crazy big in Modern and it's getting some play in Legacy, but I think it's important to remember that the reason it's getting so much play in Legacy is Legacy is a very creature-heavy format, right? A very low-health creature-heavy yeah. format right now. You know, with DRC, some Delver, Monkey. Like, it does come up and, uh, and the blue-red decks help promote Elves and 
death and taxes. And yep. so Fury is a, a beating against those two. So Fury is it's a situation where it's primed for the format right now. And that could change. But right now it's mopping the floor. Yep. So we're going a little long. So I'm going to go ahead and skip over the Saturday challenge. It was a fine challenge. But just to save some time, let's talk about the Sunday challenge. Those are the ones we always kind of prioritize anyway. Sure. First place, we had Hammer Time. Uh, good old Hammer Time is back. Mono White Hammer Time. You know, not even running Luris. Just legit get out. Beating you in the get face. Get out of Memnite. Get out of Ornithopter. Ornithopter. <laughs> yep. Hopefully turn one cigar to Zade. Hopefully, you know, throw some hammers down and kick butt. I was uh, talking to a friend of ours about Hammer Time is one of my least favorite decks to play against just because I feel like I'm always like one untap away from being just dead. Yeah, every time that Ornithopter turns sideways with a cigar to Zade out, so you scary. don't know if that's going to be the last combat like, you even get if play. Even if they don't have any of that. Like, it's going to turn three and they untap three lands. It's like, Ugh. there's so many things they can play. At they, instant speed. And just win. Just, yep. yeah, just the game is over. And so I was watching uh, someone play it the other day. I was watching a stream and it was like turn three. And they were like, yeah, attack with my, I think it was a Stoneforge Mystic. And he's like, okay, I guess I'll, he did no something. blocks. No blocks or whatever. And yeah, the dude threw two hammers on it. Yep. Game. <laughs> Take 21. Jeez <laughs> Louise. <laughs> yep. Yeah, the, so. uh, not that I've heard anybody really complaining, but I do think it's funny. Everybody was like, man. Sure would be great if White got a boost. <laughs> it got a boost. White got a boost. <laughs> White got a boost. Yeah. So Hammer Time being in front. I mean, it's no surprise to see Hammer Time in first. People love Hammer Time. It's always been a fan favorite of Modern. And it's, you know, White got po more powerful in general with the addition of Esper Sentinel and uh, Prismatic Ending, which this isn't running Prismatic yeah. Ending. Esper Sentinel, Prismatic Ending, Solitude. They yes, unbanned like, Stodenforge Mystic. Yeah. The Hammer Time got a ton of power in this. So moving on to second place with Belcher. Belcher showed up again. That was pretty awesome. You know, Belcher kind of came out of nowhere uh, last week. And did it win or did it come in second? Uh, it was two weeks ago. But gotcha. I, it won two weeks ago. So within a couple weeks ago. Within a couple weeks, yeah, Belcher kind of came out of nowhere and just won. And then to see it back again in second place, it kind of shows that people didn't pack the respect they needed for Belcher yet. And I have a feeling that until <laughs> people pack the respect they need, Belcher's going to be a thing. That's the thing. It's like in Legacy... I mean, currently you've got Force of Will, Days, and Force of Negation that you can protect yourself a little. Modern, you just got Force of Negation, well, and there's got, a lot of you got all your graveyard hate too. Yeah, there, there's some answers and whatnot, but like as far as like turn zero interaction, yes. which I don't think the modern decks are quite as fast no, as the Legacy not as one. Fast, but but having that ability to tap out against uh, Belcher mm -hmm. to you know promote your game plan and then still be able to protect yourself is big. Yeah. So like I have I have a feeling non-blue decks are struggling against something like this. It's a powerful Do deck. Do I advance my game state or and yeah. risk losing? And you know, talking about, you know, the answers aren't as good or the deck isn't as fast in modern, but yeah, the answers are slower too. So yeah. unless you've got, you know, the right thing, like you happen to draw your Nihil spell bomb or you happen to draw your relic progenitus, like for the first couple of turns, you're very likely to be soft to a resolved belcher and flip my deck, you lose. GG loser. Yep. So pretty cool. I'm I always happy to see Belcher come in. Like unless it unless it starts coming in three or four of the top eight. It's just cool. Yeah. Four color blink in third. That's a deck that Matt and I were making fun of a month and a half ago, being like, this isn't a deck. I know we're playing EDH. And it's one of the best decks in the format. Yorion, Elementals, you know, Solitude, Fury, Eternal Witness. Tribal. Yeah. It, uh, I love the one time warp in the list. It's it's been running it consistently, but I just love, like being able to blink your um being able to repeatedly blink, blink your eternal witness to get time warp back is uh, time warp in this list. I might have been looking at the Saturday one. Normally they have a time warp. The one I looked at okay. yesterday had a time oddly warp. enough the one I pulled up didn't. But gotcha. yeah, that's Fair a, that, that is a, I, we've seen that line before where yeah it, we talked about it's a relatively mana expensive line, 
but it's infinite turns. Yeah. So it's if you can pull it off, the game that's one of those things. The game is over. Good luck yep. or GG, dude. Fourth place, Hammer Time. Again, another mono white Hammer Time kind of coming into. I I think we we kind of assume that like these Hammer Time lists are here to prey on these four color blink decks, these Azorius control decks. I uh, have been of the opinion. I think I still kind of am. Azorius is probably one of the most powerful things you can be doing in modern, whether that's Azorius control or Azorius with other things. Blue, white are where you want to be, if possible. But the problem is those decks are slow. Yep. They're great at locking the game down, but they're slow to do it. So you have things like Hammer Time and then in fifth place, Burn, Boros Burn, that come in and go, I don't care if you're going to try and win the game on turn 12. I'm going to win the game on turn four before you can even play your Teferi Hero of Dominaria. I would like to point out, in its inception in Modern, the mission statement was no consistent kills before turn four. Yeah. That has completely gone out the window. Yep, that's now, not I'm not complaining about that necessarily, but when Belcher and Hammer Time mm -hmm. are winning as consistently as they are, yeah. clearly Wizards is okay with, I mean, the, and they, they have been for a while. This isn't a new thing, but... Yeah, it's the the turn four format of modern yep. is dead. They're okay with the power being there. It's we've seen them trying to kind of. It looks like they're trying to turn modern into legacy. Yep, legacy light. Yeah. So and it, it's it reserved shows. list free legacy is. Yeah. That's what you and I have talked about in the past. Where where our theory is because I mean legacy is effectively turning into vintage and it is. vintage is I don't want to uh, say dead but cost wise. Yeah, cost wise. I, I, you know the the and I I played vintage. Vintage play isn't as bad as people think it is. No, it's a lot of fun. Um, it's really Le fun to watch. In my opinion, Legacy is better. Yeah. Um, but the cost of Legacy is moving towards, I mean, Legacy decks now cost more than Vintage decks used to cost back when Vintage still wasn't popular. Right. So the fact that Wizards is trying to move Modern to more of a Legacy power level kind of makes sense. Trying to probably bring a lot of those Legacy players forward into Modern. Yep. One, hey, buy a bunch of new cards. Don't worry, we're printing new sets every year. Yep. And two, don't worry about your old cards never being reprinted because you don't need them anymore because you play Modern. Right. So and oh by the way, uh, you don't have to buy dual lands. Exactly. I mean, it helps. I'm. It was it was nice getting to build a modern deck, and it in total costs like five hundred bucks. Right. <laughs> that's one. That's one tropical island. Cool. That's moderately I'm played. One seventy fifth of the way there to my legacy deck. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, sixth place was a is it Merktide list, very similar to what is it Delver is in Legacy, just the modern variant. Yep. The Oddly threats enough, are almost identical. Almost all the same creatures. Yep. Ragavan, Dragon Rage Channeler, and Murktide. And then essentially just worse versions of legacy cards. So you don't have Brainstorm, you have Consider. You don't have Force of Will, you have Counterspell. Um, you know, you do have Force Negation. Yeah. But essentially a very similar tempo-ish style, quick beatdown legacy deck brought into modern. And it shockingly does very well. It helps that, like we said, both decks run all the same threats. Yep. That was going to be the one thing I was going to say about the Saturday Modern Challenge. Uh, if I remember correctly, there were eight blue-red Merktide lists, the top 32 in the Saturday. Yeah, there were there were three in the top eight. Yeah. Yeah, Merktide Regent showed up. Is it Merktide showed up to to beat face on Sunday? And yeah, we had a total of eight or 25% of the meta was is it. On the Saturday challenge? On the Saturday challenge, yeah. yeah. Uh, seventh place was Crashing Footballs because we have to get at least one Cascade yep. deck in there. You're not going to get away. Somebody's going to get lucky and yep. make some <laughs> tokens. And, and then eighth place, we came in with Amulet Titan. So, cool. I'm glad to see Amulet yep. Titan still deck. Titan is starting to kind of consistently put up a list in either the top eight or the top 16 again. Yep. It's, it's found its home again. Yep. It's perfectly play. It seems like it's perfectly playable. It may not be the best deck, but I mean, it, it's at a spot where it's I don't hard think to complain when your deck just isn't the best deck. People aren't calling for Titan bands yeah, anymore. The pro I bet you the Titan pilots are like, whew. Yeah. Thank God leave, for some of these other cards. Get the target my off my alone. back. <laughs> yep. I can so. just keep slamming prime times and 
not have to worry about it getting banned next week. So bump through this really quickly. We've got like, so Yorion Blink, we had four decks, 12.5%. And then we had a bunch of threes. Hammer Time, Isn't Murktide, Amulet Titan, Five Color Omnath. And then now we're down to twos and ones. A, gotcha. a, a, a really evenly spread Sunday challenge. Yep. The Saturday challenge did not look very good. And if I recall, I think last week, the Sunday challenge did not look very good. We were talking about how like, we're getting some real homogenization and it's there. I think I think we're starting to boil down to the best decks for sure. But which isn't necessarily even a bad, not terrible. It's just it's kind of the it's it's inevitable when you have a set list of cards. We're not people are going to figure out what beats what. It's not nearly as much the Wild West as it was two months ago, where it's like, holy crap, what's this? Holy crap, what's that? We're we're narrowing down, but we're still, you know, you get this these most played decks, and we've got four, three, 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 two, 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 no sixes, no eights, no on Sunday, no sixes, no eights, no tens. Most played cards. First place, Expressive Iteration, just one of your best draw two. You know, at Legacy Powerhouses are good and modern, it turns out. Yep. Prismatic Ending, Teferi Time Raveler, Ren and Six, and Force of Vigor. It's interesting to see the Force of Vigor come in. That's like a really specific card. So it's kind of cool to see that coming in. I'm guessing to be fighting all of these Hammer Time decks, and yeah, then it has splash damage over to Urza Saga. Yeah, it, I mean, it hits a lot of different yeah. things. But it's, I mean, with it being, again, usually a dedicated pitch spell, you got to really want to use that bad boy. You're going to take a <laughs> 10 from a giant hammer. Yeah, it's worth <laughs> it, seems I guess. Like worth, seems like it's worth it to check a card. Most played creatures, Fury and Endurance, holding their place really well up there. <laughs> Oddly enough, what's the white one? Solitude. Solitude. Don't see Solitude anywhere in the top 10, so I don't know why she didn't show up this week. I'm assuming Solitude's a girl. I don't know why. Yeah. She's probably asexual. Who knows? I mean, I, the image is... Uh, Leaves a lot to the imagination. It's but the best, I think. <laughs> no solitude this week. Uh, Dry to the Leasing Grove coming in at third. Presumably showing us those Titan decks showing up. Yep. Asper Sentinel, one of my favorite cards from Spoiler. I'm really happy to see Asper Sentinel come in and find a really solid home. Yep. When that got spoiled, I thought that was one of the most underrated cards. A lot of people wrote it off as just this, oh, they have to pay one. They'll always pay the one. I'll never draw a card. Cool, then it's Thalia for one. I say, where in my opinion, that's still <laughs> fine. Like, if you're taxing even one or two of their spells a turn, or, you know, up to two spells around, like, that's still worth it with yep. possible card draw, but... Well, one of the things, just to go on a little tangent, one of the things uh, I think people have in their head is that Punisher mechanics, traditionally speaking, are bad because it gives your opponent choices. Yes. And that it's is... valid. That's a valid criticism for most cards. Yep. But when the choice is something you want either way, whether you're taxing your opponent yep. efficiently... Or they're allowing you to draw cards, and it's a threat, and the card itself mm-hmm. is efficient. There's nothing wrong with all that. Yep. Like if Thalia said you can pay one or let your opponent, or you draw a card, it'd still see a lot of play. Yeah. Now, that it does make it worse, in my opinion, at least overall. It's not well, strictly worse, yeah, but it is worse. It's worse than it could be. But it's still a very strong yeah. effect and it goes well in like aggressive white decks where yeah. it's just like, go ahead, pay the tax because I'm going to beat you to death. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, when I play Rhystic Study and Commander, like if I play Rhystic Study and for three turns I never draw a card, that's fine. Yeah. Because everybody has played less spells than they're supposed to. Yep, it's doing its job. It's yes. a tax. I'm okay with that. I mean, obviously I want to draw cards, but if all Rhystic Study is make all of Matt's one mana elves cost two, great. Yep. That His deck kind of sucks now. Yeah, the big thing with me with Esper Sentinel was on the surface, it looks like a very strong card. My concern was whether or not it was, was going to find a home. Because yeah. at the time, white just wasn't really that mm-hmm. big. 
and then it's it's mostly Thunder's home and Hammer Time deck. Yeah. It's where you see a lot which is, of it. Is, which is exactly where you'd expect yep. it to go, right? Where it's yep. just like I'm not. It, it holds a hammer. <laughs> yep. It slows your opponent down. I do see it get played a lot in and there's Stoneforge was number five for our most played creatures, and you do see it a lot in Stoneforge decks as well because it yep. holds a sword really well in yeah. terms of one. It's just it's a four four ish beater. And now it's I draw a card unless you pay four. Yeah. You know, anytime you can bump that power up, even yep. one or two. At that point, it's I'm drawing a card I'm every time my card. opponent yeah. plays. Every time you play your first, it becomes Mystic Remora as opposed yes. to Mystic Steady. Yep. Uh, and then top spells, a lot of the same. Expressive Iteration, Prismatic Ending, Teferi Time Raveler, Ren and Six Force of Vigor. So yep. almost the same as yep. most played cards. I'm curious if all the the white fanboys are going. Well, I'm so glad that white's super strong and modern right now. <laughs> I am. I think it's, it's got to be a new feeling. But Hammer yeah, Time's got like, Hammer Time is one of the coolest decks. My first experience with Cigar Disade, I was playing against my buddy Christian, and he played Cigar Disade, and I kind of scoffed. And he was playing it, and uh, I can't remember the commander. It's a more Mardu commander. He's got indestructible during your turn, and that was Christian really likes these uh, colors, so he was playing it in an equipment deck, and he herb stomped me <laughs> by the the problem. The thing, the being able, the flash, I don't mind so much. It's very powerful, but being able to equip without paying the cost makes these equipment way better. Yep. So he's just popping on a well, I mean, uh, it, equipment onto an, a creature with already seven power. Yeah. And with commander damage rules, I mean, he can, one equipment turns into him into like a two uh, hit kill. So, I mean, we've talked about one of the most powerful things you can do in magic in general is not pay for your spells. Yep. Like there's like four things in magic that, you know, if you do these things, you're going to win the game. Draw extra cards, not pay for spells, play extra lands, and tutor. So, yeah, drawing cards, not paying for spells, uh, playing extra lands, and tutoring. If you can do these things, you're going to win the game. And while he's still paying for the equipment, by not paying the other half of that spell's cost, you are effectively not paying for some of your yep. spells. And that just immediately breaks them. That's one of the things that I personally really like, is I like powerful, narrow cards. Cigar Dizade goes in one deck. Yeah. It's a very powerful effect. It doesn't do that anything build, if you're that not running. It basically builds a deck. Yep. It was just sitting there waiting until that hammer came out. Mm -hmm. And it was like, all I need to do is get the, a cheap, stupid effect that all I got to do is pay one for plus 10, plus 10, but it costs a bunch to equip. Yep. Cool. Done. Now we have a two card, a three card combo, yeah. effectively, and it's and take twenty. Yep. So we're getting close to our hour in. It's been a late night. We did a little longer on us and a little longer yep. on all the metas. So I think we've got time for one extra topic tonight. Sure. We got a pretty big announcement this week as as in regards to legacy. Yeah. Matt, what did we learn? So what we learned is Wizards has decided not to change the format either through a banning or unbanning until Eternal Weekend is over. They made a public announcement on Twitter. Yes. So there's a couple different things we need to look at here. The first one being the announcement itself. Uh, Jake and I are both of the opinion that we'd rather know than not know. Yep. I, I appreciate Wizards. I appreciate Transparency Wizards. in general is a very yes. good thing. I want them to make as many announcements as they can. The only, I think, difference of opinion here, and I don't know, Jake probably agrees with me agrees with agrees with me as well there also is a downside to knowing and that's that we've those of us who aren't super thrilled with legacy at the moment now know it's going to be another month yep. at minimum before there's any change yeah. uh it's, it kind of sucks knowing that it's almost a foregone conclusion also that something's going to get banned i think the odds of us making it let's say to this point next year and there's no cards banned in legacy is very near zero right and so what you have what you've said and is very true we have entered into a severely lame duck yeah. format. That's what it's basically what we have is we have a lame duck format, which in and of itself uh, we've had before. Mm -hmm. The the thing that really bugs me is the biggest legacy tournament of the year. Realistically, I mean, every now and then you have some that are huge, but yeah, Eternal Weekend Eternal is, Weekend is where it's at, right? We had over and Eter the Eternal Weekend 
tournaments are going to be lame duck. And we had, uh, we were talking with our buddy Derek and he pulled the numbers up for us. So hashtag thanks Derek. Yep. Check him out over at the uh, family gathering pod, uh, the family gathering podcast where most podcasts are found. I think we had over 700 people in I the biggest tournament. I think it was tournament. 670. Gotcha. So, yeah, uh, it was so almost 700 people in the biggest tournament last year, Eternal Weekend. Yeah. An un- unheard of amount of people. Now, it's all online, but to be playing Legacy all at once. Right. And this year, we're going into a format that, one, we know the vast majority of people don't like. At least enough people that tournaments are having trouble finding. Yeah, at least enough people that no, one, no one's playing on Saturday. And two, that is really likely to be changed drastically soon. And so... Realistically, Almost directly after that form, yeah. after that tournament, and so like, we know we're going into this, and any information we gain is going to be. So I would say, from a player perspective, there probably are few things worse than going into a big important tournament with little knowledge of the meta. But from a observer's perspective, there's nothing better than going into a tournament and no one knows what the meta is. Not right. the hard meta. Mm-hmm. Like, what's better than a huge tournament, a, a huge standard tournament, a week after release? Right, and on top of that, it's not a foregone conclusion. It'd be really exciting if people had three or four weeks to get to kind of pick their deck, yeah. tune it, and go in there, and it's not a foregone conclusion what the format's going to look like. Mm-hmm. We don't like making bold predictions here. I imagine we're going to see a lot of Ragaban, Merktide Regent, and DRC at this yeah. eternal weekend. You think Especially so? given that you're getting God account tokens yeah so there's not going to be anybody going well i'd play ragavan but it cost me four hundred dollars yes. for fake cards yes i'm fully on the, the bandwagon of these cards are somewhat underplayed online because they're so expensive yep. so you've got people like like julian or like aspiring spike who have the cards doesn't they don't care what it costs because they they want them and they want to play the best deck they can they have them of course be people like me filthy casuals that like to tinker around and play and there's no way i'm playing ragavans i'm not buying them and i can't rent them Right. I and can rent almost five hundred dollars worth of cards, and that buys that gets you ragavans. Just my ragavans. Right. So when we get these god accounts where you can have as many cards as you want, I think a lot of people are going to be kind of punch drunk on trying to get that turn one ragavan into days. Playing with that is a lot of people also don't want to buy them. Given like if grief was expensive, people would buy it because they realistically they know it's not getting banned. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be reprinted because it's such a unique mechanic. There's a lot of uncertainty around. Right. Why on earth would you spend $400 on a card that could be banned? I guess not until December now. Yeah. I mean, obviously you could buy them for the tournament or whatever tournaments and plan on flipping them because now you know you have at least until Eternal Weekend. Yep. That's one of the things that's been keeping me from getting them because as you may or may not know, I also play Blue Red Delver. Mm -hmm. But I am. Not anymore. You don't. Not anymore because I don't. A, I don't. I don't like supporting these broken fire mechanic cards, fire design, like pushed cards. And B, because of that, and the fact that they're so pushed, I don't want to just drop six or $700 on cards that are probably going to get banned. Maybe not even probably, but like have a strong, like a solid maybe. Yeah, it's like, that's, I, you know, you know, you look at, you show me a card that is probably going to get banned. I'm definitely not going to buy it. You show me a card that maybe will get banned. I, I don't want to buy that one either. Right. And these are solidly in the maybe we'll get banned. I don't know if... Yeah, I had no problem buying Allosaur Shepherd for yep. my deck. Yeah, that was expensive. Bucks a piece. Right. Yeah. I don't... I mean, I had no problem buying Force of Wills. Like, yeah, they're $110 a piece. But I look at, you know, Ragavan or Urza Saga or Merktide Regent and I go, there's a there's a solid chance that card is not here in six months. I'm not willing to fork over 100 bucks or 400 bucks for a playset or whatever they are. Overall, like, like we discussed, I'm glad that they did this announcement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just wish the decision was different. Yep. If I was planning on going or, or competing, I would be very appreciative of this announcement because now I know that I can theory craft, I can test, and I can tune 
with the knowledge that all of that work isn't going to get pissed out a window two weeks or a week before the event because they decided to ban Ragavan. Instead, it's going to get pissed out the window a couple weeks after. A couple weeks after. And so, you know, the idea that, you know, you might spend 40, 50 hours. If you want to win this tournament, you probably should spend 40, 50, 60 hours testing and yep. tuning to be prepared. And yeah, on once, top of what you've already been doing. Yeah, on top of what you've already got invested into the deck. And then we come up on the tournament's over, and two weeks later they go, yep, it turns out uh, Merktide Regent and Dragon Rage Channeler are huge problems. We're going to ban those two cards, and your deck is now gutted, and you have to you know, redesign a deck from scratch. And this was you know, probably their last chance to give people ample time to wipe the format clean. Not clean, but shake up the format, yep. and then let people rebuild. Because I, I don't want them to ban a thing a week before. Yeah, that, that's... That's to me is irresponsible, yeah, and it's kind rude. of what happened with the uh, Splinter Twin ban. I don't remember if it was like explicit, but it was heavily implied at least that they banned Splinter Twin so the Pro Tour would have a more diverse main. Yeah, that's not and cool. That well, that enraged a yeah. lot of people. Well, I say doing that isn't a problem if you give everyone enough time to compensate. But no, you can't. You can't you, do it the week before. You can't ban my deck the week before. That's ridiculous. And I don't remember the exact timing of it. Well, but still, like I said, this is we're looking at what three, four weeks out. Yeah, there's plenty of time this, this is time. Probably the minimum. Like yeah. three, four weeks is probably the minimum I want to give somebody to basically look at them and say, hey, Matt, elves is banned now. You know, figure Ooh. it out. <laughs> I'm playing modern. <laughs> yeah. We know what's really getting banned in, in two months. Allosaurus Shepherd yep. and Elvish Visionary. <laughs> yep. Three percent of the meta cards. <laughs> yeah. So that's the important, like, I really want to drive home that I'm happy Wizards did this because I, I'm happy they talked to us. I'm happy. Like, if this is them starting to, like, just share in general more information with us and getting more regular updates, that's cool. Very much not happy with the particular announcement, with its contents. It was, it's a missed opportunity to really blow some life in the legacy and, you know, maybe make Eternal Weekend a much better thing. Yeah. We, we were talking, we had a discussion about this with Derek. We're on a group chat. We, we were talking to each other. And last year... In the middle of Oko, of Snoko winter, yep. you know, we had 600-ish people play. And during that time, Saturday Challenge is still fired. Yeah. So there's a very real-world chance that this year we're going to see a lot less participation in Eternal Weekend. And um, we were doing it with Derek, but I don't know if you, do you want to try and throw some numbers down to be like, I mean, so if we're looking at 650 to 700 was the max we saw last year, what do you think the biggest the biggest day, what the most people there are going to be? Probably four or five. I was gonna say maybe more than half. I was gonna say between three, like three fifty and four. So you're thinking four to five. I'm thinking three fifty yep. to four. I think last night when we were talking about, it, I said four fifty. I think between four and five. I'm gonna push the upper end up a little bit, primarily because as time goes on, formats do just grow naturally. Mm -hmm. At least you know, typically speaking, they gotcha. do. So there, there's probably a larger pie, even if we're getting a smaller percentage of mm -hmm. it. So I think. It's probably not going to be, I mean, I think in my opinion, the safest prediction is I don't think there's going to be as many people there this year as there was last. Yeah. Now, what those exact numbers are. The problem is, is that's not where you want to be trending in a format. Exactly. You want to be beating last year's tournament numbers. Yep. And we might. For and the the one big event. In fairness, we might. It's possible. Yep. But I, I think the, I, I don't think nothing so. Nothing would make me happier. Yeah. Like that, that would be great. I want, I want us to have um, more players than last year and I want them all to run four copies of Ragavan. There you go. Then we all get what we want. <laughs> we have a great event. We have a huge event. And they probably ban Ragavan. At this point, I don't even know what I would ban. There's so many variables. There's mm -hmm. so many cards that could or could not go. And all this stuff goes deep. And so that was one of the things we talked about was Wizards, at least ostensibly, is doing this because they want more data. Mm -hmm. 
from my perspective, they should have plenty. Yeah. We've been looking at months of challenges not firing. We've got months of challenges not firing. We've got plenty of data showing. Presumably, they know the win rates of all these decks and whatnot. I mean, they always talk about them when they talk about other cards being banned, so I'm sure they have the data there. Like, I don't know what one more tournament does. Even, yeah. It's a big tournament, and again, it's on the highest stage, so yep. presumably people are going to be playing the decks they expect to win with. Mm -hmm. Basically, what they're doing is they're sacrificing this tournament on the altar of making the right call. Yeah. And that may be the right call to do. Yep. But, I'm just not sure it's necessary. What are the odds you couldn't have already made the right call? You right. know, you've got two schmucks in a basement looking at challenges every week going, hey guys, I think these cards look like serious problems. And even in the last uh, month or so, we've seen legitimate huge content creators posting data, numbers, and also personal experiences of like, guys, this format is lame. These cards are everywhere. This isn't fun to play against. These cards are too prevalent. Yep. And you've got Watsy sitting there going, I guarantee it's a bunch of executives or a bunch of employees that are on this committee Yep. sitting in a room going, what do you think? Is it this card or is it that card or is it both of them or... Well, let's just let's just wait another two weeks and we'll see what happens. Let's see, just... the, the thing that bugs me about that is we already know what Blue Red Delver can do without the Modern Horizons. Mm -hmm. It was before Modern Horizons came out. It was the best deck in the format. Yep. It was... We already know the, what the consequences of this are, yep. at least to some degree. In my opinion, before Modern Horizons 2, Blue Red Delver was probably two or three percent too good. Right. Split percentage was a few percentage points too high. Which is probably expressive iterations. Which fault. is, you know, yeah, we have the, the couple most recent cards they got along with these, this busted cantrip cartel they shouldn't have with, you know, and you could maybe daze, maybe ponder, maybe all these kinds of things. And then you threw an MH2 and you added another four or five percentage points on that where they went from being eh, two or three percent to seven or eight percent too good. And so, you know, you look at these decks and you go. Matt, why are you demanding Blue Red Delver get banned? It wins a little too much. It's not Hogak. It's not Renin Six. It's not like, it, and you're right, it's not Hogak. And it's not winning 80% of its matches or 70% of its matches, but it's winning too much. Yep. And it's winning so much that it's relatively unfun to play against, or at least the format it creates. And that is played out by Saturdays. Nobody shows up to play Legacy. Legacy was getting all kinds of play and hype, at least in my opinion. From what I'd seen when Deathrite Shaman was that um, card was everywhere, but people the people enjoyed in general the play patterns it promoted. Mm -hmm. Now again, the decks ended up like uh Grixis Delver, they ended up with too high of a win rate. Mm -hmm. So you had Grixis Delver and Checkpile that were kind of the big decks because of the uh shenanigans that Deathrite Shaman allowed. But in general, there was still plenty of engagement with the format. People, yep. people at least it, we're okay with like, okay, I got to play against Grixis Delver three times this yeah. tournament, but those are fun games, so I'm still going to show up and play. This it. is a relatively new thing to happen where we're looking at months in a row of no Saturday challenge. Yeah. So uh, I do want to I do want to say, because I guarantee you didn't know this, I'm going to toss a shout out to Leaving a Legacy, one of my favorite podcasts I listen to. They're a huge podcast. They're such a large podcast that they run opens. Right. They run Leaving a Legacy yeah, they, opens. They're, they're huge. They're awesome. Um, Pretty cool dudes and pretty cool content creators. They had on Sam Dams, also uh, Fenris Cloud, on their podcast for an interview, and they were chit chatting. He was talking about how they he is actively and aggressively trying to get a Saturday challenge to fire with sixty lands. Yeah, he's working yeah. There, with well, there was a Reddit thread about that a couple weeks ago. Yep. That was honestly, I think I'm at least partially responsible for this because mm -hmm. we brought this up in a thread you posted on Reddit, yep. and I commented, you and I commented about this. And if any about, fans want to watch for us, I'm Captain JVA on Reddit and I hate on Reddit. And yeah, we put up some things talking about these challenges not firing. Someone mentioned 
Or, I think Matt, I put that splinter in yeah, their mind. Yeah, Matt led the breadcrumbs of, you know, hey, it worked for Popper to run 60 land challenges. And and by no means they are we were taking, preliminaries. Sorry, but yes. preliminaries. We're not taking credit for what Fenris Cloud and other people are pioneering and, and networking. No, that's, that that's to me is them. awesome. But yeah, people are pioneering. Like, he's trying to get a challenge to fire and get as many people as he can to yep. max out and on And obviously lands. the credit goes to the people who did it for Popper. Yes. Like, it was just something I noticed because I, yeah. I keep my eye on just about everything well, I shouldn't say everything anymore because there's so many formats, but Popper, Legacy, Modern, and EDH. Yep. I we, have my finger on We the try pulse. really hard to consume as much information as we can. I mean, because, yeah. I mean, part of it we did before because we like magic, and the new part of it is because we try and bring it to you guys. We try and... It went from a hobby to, hey, this is actively something I need yep. to be... It's not something I'm doing when I'm bored. Yep. It's I am seeking out information yeah. about it's, magic, it's, and you do too. It can be hard. Because we're basically a magic news show. Just consume as much information as possible, dilute it down to what at least we feel like is the most relevant and present it to people. All right, we're getting long. Was there anything else you wanted to cover? There's one short thing, and this is, we just spent 10 minutes bashing on Watsy. So I'm going to give them, like I said, I like calling balls and strikes. Yep. Um, looking at the spoilers, there's, Jake and I have discussed this, there's nothing that particularly stuck out as far as uh, eternal formats go. Yeah. Either legacy or modern. Either legacy or modern. But that's actually a very good thing. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to commend Wizards for, once again, for as far as I know, this is two or three standard sets in a row, where they seem to be designing standard sets. I know that standard has its own, you know, there's some ups and downs and there's some problems and whatnot. But they seem to be hitting that power level mm -hmm. roughly correctly so that you can have a fun standard environment without yep. taking over modern and legacy, which is what happened for, you know, Throne of Eldraine and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's, we don't want to see every time a standard set comes out that the legacy metagame shifts. That's a that's a huge canary in the coal mine that something's wrong with yeah. standard when legacy players are playing the same decks at standard. Yep. So I just wanted to commend Wizards for that. They I the set looks interesting. I like zombies. I like vampires. I've got an EDH deck for both. Some of the so art is really the good. The art is gorgeous. Some of the alternative arts are really cool. Yep. The Dracula theme I think is cool. Exactly how that's, I want that's to see how that's something Jake and I have talked about. That's how we think these cards should these uh, universes beyond should be handled. Yep. They're effectively altars at that point, which are everywhere. Mm -hmm. So I plan on picking up some of this new set for EDH. I've got a couple of decks that some of these cards are going to go straight into. Yep. So I just wanted to, again, I don't want this podcast to just be us crapping on wizards. Yeah. They're, do they're doing a relatively good job in the standard format. Yeah. Within reason. Yeah. Um, it's never problems, going but, to be perfect. There's yeah. always going to be room for improvement. But at least from our perspective, from an eternal mm -hmm. player's perspective, it's nice to see sets that aren't just taking over every format yep. as soon as they're printed. So I've got two things to say on are on standard and the and the new release. I, I've looked through um, a lot of the cards and it looks like standard is getting a lot of really cool toys and some really powerful, probably broken stuff for standard that they're going to have to contend with and work through. If you guys want to check that out, we're not going to talk about it. Standard is the sole domain of our basically our mothership yep, show. The flagship. Yep. Flagship show, the, the Planestalkers podcast with Will and Aramis. They record on Mondays on Twitch, and they will put their episodes out on Wednesday along with doing their Commander Craft live on Twitch on Wednesday at Planestalkers on, uh, at Twitch. They're a great podcast. They have great production quality, and they work really hard to put out a good product for everybody, focusing pretty intensely on Standard and commander they do a wonderful job and i've been listening to them they've gone through all the cards they thought were really relevant some really interesting cards some really broken looking cards if you're looking for any hot takes on standard and you know maybe even a similar thing to what we do for modern and legacy check them out they're pretty awesome yep absolutely the other thing i want to say about the new release in standard is we've already had our first errata we had an emergency errata. where's the qa department yep 
<laughs> so Blood Vile Purveyor, two black black for a 5-6 flying trample, which those are good stats. Whenever an opponent casts a spell, that player creates a blood token. Blood tokens, essentially, it's an artifact that you can pay one, sack it, and rummage. Yep. Sacking it is a part of the cost, so you can't cheat that. Yep. The card reads, whenever Blood Vile Purveyor attacks, it gets plus one, plus oh for each blood vile, or sorry, each blood token defending player controls. So if you have a bunch of blood tokens, he gets bigger. I will give credit to Saffron Olive, who was the first person I saw reach out on Twitter and say, hey, this should probably say until, until end of turn. Until end of turn. <laughs> and Wizards did respond and say that while the card will be misprinted, there is already going to be, on the day of release, an immediate errata for the Oracle text. That, yep. And that's that's a simple oversight. Yep. And the funny thing is, when I read that card, in my mind, my mind filled... Until end of turn. It, yeah, until end of turn. Yeah, there's no way that stacks. Yeah, because there's there's been a couple effects like that that have happened over the course of 25 years or whatever, yeah. but that kind of effect... Well, they always explicitly say counters. Correct. So this obviously was just a small typo. It's you know, I'm not throwing a ton of shade I at I think wizards. what it is is that card has so much text, they just ran they out forgot. of room. forgot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So that was our, that's my two things to say on the uh, Crimson Vow set. Check out Will and Aramis for any of their hot takes. Yep. And if there's anything else interesting, there's spoilers are still going on. Mm-hmm. If we see anything, uh, obviously we're going to talk about it. But currently it looks like for Modern and Legacy, there doesn't seem like it's going to be a very impactful yep. set. All right. Matt, is there anything I'm forgetting? Not that I know of. All right. Well, we are Cantrip Cartel. If you ever want to reach out to us and give us some advice, ask us some questions, hit us up at our Cantrip Cartel Gmail or at our email at cantripcartel at gmail.com. We would be happy to read any question on air and answer it or privately if that's what you'd prefer. You can always reach out to us through our Facebook group at Cantrip Cartel on Facebook and you can even check out check us out in the Plain Soccer's Discord. We have our own Discord channel where we love to chit-chat with people and we post um, any spoilers we think are interesting or any hot takes. Yep. Other than that, I think we're going to be good to wrap this episode up, Matt. We will see you guys next week. All right. Have a nice night, guys. Oh, um, Mountain... Lotus Petal, Lotus Petal, Blood Moon.